You're listening to a message from CT College, the college ministry of Cross Timbers Church located in Denton, Texas. If you would like to learn more about us, visit crosstimberschurch.org slash college or follow us on Instagram at CT underscore college. Amen. You can be seated. Well, hello, CT College. My name is Jamie Mullins. For those of you who have not had the opportunity to meet yet, I feel just so honored to be here tonight. Um, On behalf of everybody who gets to be part of this ministry um, outside of CT College, we are blown away by what's happening in this room on Monday nights and the stories that we hear about the ways that you are changing the places God's giving you influence on your Tuesdays and every other day of the week. So I'm really excited personally to be here tonight in the middle of this relationship series that you guys are in. And we're gonna talk about marriage. And I wish that I could tell you that I'm here to share about everything that I did perfectly and right when it came to marriage, but that would be a lie because uh, my husband and I have been married for 18 years, so I do have some experience on the subject of marriage. So 18 years is a long time. It's crazy to think that it's been that long, but I will tell you that we spent the first five years of our marriage really trying to figure out what we had actually committed to. Um, And so I want to share with you a truth that I feel like will change your outlook on marriage, something that I wish somebody would have shared with me long before I got married. But before we dive into that one truth, I want to go through some of the questions that you guys submitted on the CT College on the feed. And I wanna address some of them. I was excited to see some of the questions. You guys are thinking about things that are so important as you're navigating through relationships and dating and trying to figure out how do you even walk into marriage in a healthy way. And so we're gonna talk about the questions that you submitted first, and then we're gonna dive into this truth. And it actually relates to about 75% of the questions that were asked. So um, the first question that I wanna talk about is when is the right time to get married? And how does God tell us, and I'm guessing that the the rest of that was, how does God tell us that we're ready? And so I would say the right time to get married, there's not an, an equation to that as far as a number or an age or a place that you are settled in life. I would say do not get married until you fully recognize who you are in Christ, that you are not ready to take a step into commitment with someone else until you are fully certain of who you are in Jesus. And we're gonna talk about that a little bit more, but I would also say that entering into the covenant of marriage means that you're stepping into sacrifice. Um, That is a lot of what marriage is. It means sacrifice to self, sacrifice to your own needs because you're gonna be putting somebody else's needs ahead of your own. And so if you, if the word sacrifice scares you, I would say hold up for a little bit longer and know that there's nothing wrong with that, that, but marriage means sacrifice. And so if you aren't prepared to be in a situation that you can support yourself financially, if you are not in a situation that you can support yourself in a healthy way, emotionally and spiritually, it's probably not the right time. I would, I personally got married when I was 22. It was two weeks after my 22nd birthday. And um, I know people who got married at 18 and have had incredibly amazing marriages, but I also know people who waited until they were 30, 35. My stepdad actually got married for the first time at 47 years old because he wasn't ready to make that commitment until he was in his 40s. So there's no right age. I would just say, understand who you are in Christ before you make that commitment. Um, How did you overcome your toughest fight? That's a Good question. Who this, the person who asked that in here? That's a good question. So, how did I we overcome our toughest fight? 
there have been a lot of tough fights over 18 years. And I would say the way that we have overcome the multiple, I would even call them explosions in our house, is we realize that we are not each other's enemy. So when you are in conflict with someone, when you are in the middle of a disagreement with someone that you, are, that you love with your whole heart, the, the conflict that you have is less about the person in front of you, and usually it is, it is trapped in some sort of unmet, unsaid expectation. And so when we have in marriage especially, in any relationship that you're in, when you have unmet, unsaid expectations, you're setting the other person up for failure. And so when you have big fights, it's good to like, we learned this in counseling actually, and I'm gonna get to counseling next, that's my next question. When we were in counseling, we learned that when we got to a place that our voices were getting elevated and we, one of us needed to take time to blow a whistle on the, on the argument and say, hey, we need to take a break, go to our corners, just take a break, and we'll come back to this conversation in a little bit and really reflect on why are we having this argument? Because some of our biggest fights, honestly, have been over the smallest inconsequential things, but it usually is rooted in unmet, unsaid expectations. So if I can take a break from the conflict that we're in the middle of, go back and reflect on what unmet, unsaid expectation have I had in my heart that I'm holding my husband accountable for, and then I need to go and confess and repent for that, and then we can have a healthy conversation. So I would say, when you're in the middle of a big fight, go back and look, what unmet, unsaid expectation have I had and am I holding somebody accountable for something that they didn't even know that I was holding them accountable for? And then number two is your spouse is never your enemy. Like they're not ever your enemy. You're, we're fighting. When you enter into the covenant of marriage, you have stepped into a holy relationship. And the enemy wants nothing more than to destroy that because it is seen as holy before the Lord. And so he wants to destroy it. And so knowing that there is a real enemy who comes to, to kill, steal, and destroy um, helps you to recognize in the middle of the big fights, like, my spouse is not my enemy. They're not the person that I'm against. We are for each other. And so to, to take note of that. Another question was, do you recommend um, counseling? Marriage counseling is something every married couple should do. Yes, <laughs> I would say you need marriage counseling before you get married. Um, I highly, highly recommend premarital counseling. And I can say from experience that it's necessary. My husband and I, I think one of the reasons we struggled for the first several years of our marriage, we got married in the church that I grew up in. And so I knew my pastor really, really well. He knew me really, really well. And he was like, you're great. You're gonna do awesome at being a wife. Read this book and you're gonna be great. And that was the extent of our premarital counseling. And the book that he gave us was called The Five Love Languages, which actually set us up for some of our biggest fights because since we didn't have the foundation of what healthy marriage looked like, we didn't have people pouring into us, helping us understand the covenant that we were walking into, we used that book against each other. And I would say, you're not meaning my love language. And he would say, you're not meaning my love language. And so it created more conflict than it helped. So I think once you know that you're, once you're engaged, start premarital counseling. At Cross Timbers, we have this incredible program called Prepare and Enrich, and it is months long of preparation for getting married. And so whether you're at Cross Timbers or you're somewhere else, getting counseling before you get married, and it will actually help you in the long run. And then yes, just Brian Hackney, our, the founder of our Healing Place, the leader of the Healing Place, he says that 
married couples need the routine maintenance checkups. And so whether you're having conflict or not, um, I think it's good to go and have a check-in with your pastor or with a counselor every once in a while, just to make sure that all systems are a go and that there's not anything that's, that's hidden that needs to be brought to light. So I'm a firm believer in marriage counseling. I think that there are incredible marriage counselors, and even if there's not a problem, it can help to be preventive maintenance. So um, when the inevitable hard times come, what are some of the best ways to overcome them? I, so the inevitable hard times that I can think of over our years of marriage have been around usually finances. Um, finances are typically the number one cause of divorce and fights in marriages. And so the hard times for us have usually centered around either finances or some sort of workplace situation or honestly, now that we have kids, the hard times have come around our children. And so when the inevitable hard times come, what we do is we get on our knees together. And so I would say when the inevitable hard times come, it is the most important thing to seek the Lord together. And the hard times don't necessarily have to be, they don't have to turn into explosions. If you're seeking God together, um, that's the best way to combat any, any situation that you're gonna face. Get in scripture together, pray together, pray for each other. Um, have people that can speak truth into your life. Another, another thing that has helped us is to have friends in our life. We were designed for community, so not just for our marriage relationships, but for community. And some of the best resources in our marriage have been people who we can go to, and y'all write this, this part down. Don't go to your parents for marriage advice. I'm just gonna tell you. Like, you can go to your parents for um, wise counsel in a lot of areas. We're even transitioning with our son right now. We're moving from a phase of being a coach in his life to being more of a consultant. And so... Um, he, we want to be a consultant in his life and in his marriage, but we don't want, like, I'm going to always pick my son and daughter's side every time. And so I think that um, we can go to our parents, but don't go to them for advice when you're in the middle of a fight because they are going to take your side and it's going to be really hard for them to have both sides of the coin. And so we unfortunately learned that the hard way too. So I learned from me, don't do the same, don't make the same mistakes that I did. So community for us has been outside of our immediate family. It's been friends that when we do get into a disagreement, I can call my closest friends and say, hey, this is what we're walking through. And they are people who are gonna pour water on the fire and not add fuel to the flames. So it's important in your relationships and the people that you choose to spend your time with. That's not just in marriage, like that's for today. Have people in your life that are not gonna add fuel to the flame because if we have community that adds fuel to the flame, it's just gonna stoke the fire that's in us and it's not gonna bring us to resolution. And so have people in your life that can pour water on it and can show you a better way in the situation that you're walking through. So um, next question, um, would getting, this kind of goes to the age thing, would get, getting married young make marriage more difficult? And I don't think so. I think if you are healthy emotionally, spiritually, financially, getting married young does not necessarily make it easier or more difficult. It's all about where you are in all areas of your life as a whole person. And uh, there, the last question that I'm gonna cover and then the rest of the questions all relate to the message tonight. So the last question I wanna talk about is what are questions you should ask on the first date? That's a really good question. So I, I think before you even get to that place where you're on the first date, this is something that I recommend today. If you are not already engaged, you're not already in a relationship that you believe is leading to marriage, you need to make a list of the 
things that are non-negotiables in a relationship for you. So, I mean, it can be silly things. It can be the type of music they choose to listen to because if there's a certain kind of music that drives you crazy and you're married to them for 50 years, like, hello, that could be a problem. So make a list of things that are non-negotiables and it can be really small things. It definitely needs to be the big things like your faith. Like what are the non-negotiables in your relationship as far as the place that you're gonna attend to worship as a family? What are the non-negotiables on even like how we're gonna, how you wanna parent kids and where you wanna raise your family? Like how much money is enough and how much money is too little? Um, so make a list of the non-negotiables and then also make a list of just some things that would be nice to have. And when you start to date people, Think, have that list in your head. And I mean, here's the deal. Don't come out on your first date and be like, how many kids do you want to have? Like, where do you want to live for the rest of your life? What are you going to do? Like, don't ask those questions on your first date. But have that list in, your, in the back of your mind. And as you're getting to know people, like, tell me, about the, tell me about your relationship. A good question on our first date, tell me about your relationship with Jesus. Tell me about your relationship with your family. Like, what's, what are some of your favorite memories from your childhood? Like, tell, talk, get them talking about their family, about their relationships that are in their life because you will see red flags when you start to have those conversations or you'll see a green light that's like, okay, I wanna continue on in this conversation and, and to go forward. So all of the other questions related to one thing. And Cole can vouch for this because I sent him what I wanted to title this message long before we had these questions. Every other question that we received had to do with how do I know I found the one? And the title of this message tonight was actually Finding the One. So that's the majority of what we're gonna talk about tonight. But before we jump into how do I know that I found the one, I wanna get a little help from you guys. And ladies, we're gonna start with you because I can identify with you the most, being that I'm a lady. So when you um, were a little kid, and I want you to raise your hand if this was you, how many of you from the time that you were little dreamed about the perfect wedding and then living in the perfect house and you may or may not have even named your perfect children? If that was you, raise your hand. Okay, so the most of us, no shame in that. So. Guys, a little bit different. How many of you dreamed about meeting the cutest girl who was all about taking care of you and when you got married, it was gonna be all about having sex twice a day? Guys, be honest. <laughs> so our expectations of marriage are, are obviously a lot different, but also the thing is, I, I think it's crazy when we think about our expectations, even from when we're young, our expectations normally, again, back to the unsaid, unmet expectations, usually fall short of what reality is. And I think that if you look out at marriages today, I think the stats have actually risen, but if you look at surveys and research about marriage, over 51, it's like somewhere between 51 and 52% of marriages today end in divorce in the United States. 50, like that's a lot. And so we spend our lives building these expectations of what marriage is gonna look like and it all centers around a perfect picture of what we think it's going to be. But if we were to walk into any other situation in our life knowing that there was over half, over 50% chance that this thing that we were walking into could potentially fail, we would wanna take it really seriously, right? Like we would want to make sure that we're not walking into it lightly. And so marriage, while it can be this fantasy and this awesome thought, there's so much more involved than just the perfect house and the perfect kids' names and sex and being taken care of. It's so much more than that. So um, 
What I want to talk about, though, is the fact that I think that the reason we all struggle with this view of what the perfect marriage is is because it starts at a really young age. I mean, you look at every single Disney movie, and they paint this picture of what fairy tale marriage is going to look like. Every show out there, movies, it paints a picture of what marriage is going to look like for guys and for girls. And so you start to really, really ask the question, what, how am I going to meet the one? And we hinge marriage on knowing that I have found the perfect person, I have found the one, and, and that you are the person that's gonna give you goosebumps, that when you smell them and every song on the radio all of a sudden makes sense and every card in the drugstore you wanna just go buy because I've met the one and everything is, is perfect now. Um, but what I'm hoping tonight is that there will be some of you who will start to see things different and you, will, you won't be asking the question when you leave tonight, how can I know that I found the one? Um, I think a lot of you girls especially, I know that for me, when I was dating, when I was y'all's age, it was like, he's so cute, he's so adorable, he's got a job, the last three guys I dated didn't even have a job, they were so into their PlayStation, this guy doesn't even know what video games is, he's gotta be the one. And for guys, you are thinking like, I love that she wants to take care of me, she's so amazing, she's so cute, maybe she's the one. And instead, tonight, what I want you to start thinking about is not that I just met the one, but that I just met the two, that he's so amazing, he's so incredible, she's so great, she loves God, I think I just met the two. And why would you be so excited about meeting the two? Because God is the one and your spouse is number two. Jesus spelled this out clearly when, he, when somebody asked him from Matthew 22, verse 37, uh, they asked him, what's the most important command? And Jesus said, above anything else, make God number one. He, and this is the words from the NIV version. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The message translation says it like this. Love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence. This is the most important, the first on any list. So in other words, God should be the one. God is first, people come second. His next words are, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. So to have a marriage that can stand up in today's culture, to beat the odds, to have, over, to have the success rate, to be able to be where we are and where the, the people in our church are that are models for marriage, if we wanna be that, we have to put God first in our relationships and our spouse has to be number two. So for those of you who one day hope to be married, and here's the thing too, there's nothing wrong with singleness. Like that's in the Bible too. If you feel called to be single, that is, that is great. So if you do feel called to be married, this would be a promise you can make today while you're waiting, that I will seek the one who's God while I'm waiting and preparing for my two. I love Andy Stanley. He says, and I'm gonna say it twice because the first time I heard it, it was like, whoa, wait, that's a lot of words. So I'm gonna say it a couple times. Become the person you're looking for is looking for. So today, you want to become the person that you're looking for is looking for. So that list that I was talking about earlier, when you're thinking about all the characteristics that you want to have in your spouse, when you're thinking about um, their character, the way that they treat other people, their dedication to family, in all of those areas, can you say that you are the person on somebody else's list? Are you living your life in such a way that would become the type of person somebody else is gonna want to be married to someday. And that starts right now, you guys. Your choices in dating relationships, your choices to practice for divorce because you're having sex, 
today will prepare you for the one. Like making choices in the way that you interact with other people, in the, in the things that you do, you are preparing yourself to become the two for somebody else. So make the decision, I'll seek the one while he prepares me for my two. And if we seek him first, scripture says, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. And those things that will be added, if it's the desire of your heart, could be your spouse. So if you seek him first, all of your priorities are gonna match up with his will and his purpose for you. And in turn, you're gonna become the person you're looking for, is looking for. And that, I think, is the truth. Y'all talk about, I love that you say, we come on Monday night so that we can change our Tuesdays. And when you're thinking about dating relationships and preparing yourself for marriage, that is what can change your Tuesdays, to choose that I'm gonna put God first and I'm gonna become the person that I'm looking for is looking for. Um, If we don't start to make that connection now, what's gonna happen is you're gonna idolize the person that you're in relationship. And they they will sit on the throne of your life. And if we idolize anything, anything, God is meant to sit on the throne of our lives. So eventually what we idolize, we will demonize. So ladies, if you idolize the guy that you're in a relationship, it starts like this. He's so laid back, he's so chill, he's so relaxed. One day when you get married, you will demonize those same things and you will say, he is so lazy, he will never get up, he never does the laundry, I cannot believe that this is the person that I'm with. So the, th- the same things that you idolize, you will demonize. Guys, you may say, oh my goodness, she's so driven, she's, she's just going for her dreams, it's so incredible. You're idolizing those, those qualities and then one day you're gonna demonize them and say, oh my gosh, she's micromanaging my life. She's just trying to control everything. I need to get rid of this woman in Jesus' name. Like the things that you idolize, you will demonize. And so we've got to make sure that our relationships, especially the people that we are in, relationships that we hope to move towards marriage, that they are in their proper place in our lives. Because if they sit in the, on the throne of our life They're sitting in a place that they were never designed to be and we will have expectations of our spouse to fill places that they cannot fill. And that is the place that I wanna share from my own story for you guys because um, our spouse was never designed to meet the needs of our hearts. Um, I, I shared that I got married when I was 22. I met my husband when I was 19. Funny enough, we met and uh I called my best friend that night and said, I met the guy I'm gonna marry tonight. Like, we didn't, like, he didn't get my number. We didn't really flirt. It was just, like, hanging out for a little bit. Called my best friend and said, I met, I met the guy I'm gonna marry tonight. And uh, I don't know why. Like, I just, like, had this knowing. So I do think that that, that can happen. The problem is, is that the reason, the reasons that that, can, that affection continued to grow was because I was seeking approval from him and he was giving, he was giving affection and giving approval in ways that man can't ever fill. And so I began to look for all of my approval from this person that was in front of me. And he did a really good job. Like he took incredible care, for, care of me. He was always telling me how amazing I was, how beautiful I was. He took care of me, it met my needs even financially. Even when we were dating, he would do crazy things like take me on these crazy amazing dates and I started to find myself wrapped up in the idea of what marriage could be instead of what it was supposed to be. So fast forward, I think the last time I was, I was here with you guys, I shared that I dreamed of my fairy tale wedding and I spent way more time planning for the actual day of our wedding than for all of the days of marriage that were to come, which is not the best thing to do. So um, we, when we did get married, there was this hole in my heart that only God could fill and I was looking for my husband to fill it. And so 
obviously I started getting bitter because he cannot meet my emotional needs. He wasn't designed to. He's meant to be a resource, not my source. And I was looking to him to be my source to tell me that I was enough, to tell me that I was loved, to tell me that I could do things when it got hard. I was looking to him to be my, my real source of, of identity, really. So my identity was all wrapped up in what my husband thought about me. That's which is what led us to marriage counseling within six months because I had placed him on the throne of my life instead of the Lord. And so um, because I was putting all these expectations on him, it drove him to go and look for affirmation. I was like putting all of this pressure on him to be God for me. And so it drove him, and it's, he would say that this was his choice, but he, he ended up in a pornography addiction because I was needing him to be something he couldn't be. And because he wasn't in a healthy place, he started to look to pornography to fill his needs. And so because of his pornography addiction, then I started to look to clothes and things to fill my needs. And so I started this overspending habit because he wasn't now meeting my needs. And so here I am, I'm out spending money recklessly. And so this cycle, we ended up on what we called a crazy cycle because we were looking to each other to be the one to be the one that met each other's needs and we weren't designed to do that for each other. And so um, we had to get to a place and it took, y'all, it took a lot of pain. So I share it with you guys tonight because I don't want y'all to be in the place that we were six months into marriage where we were talking about divorce and we had just finished our wedding and saying our I do's. And that's our story. But it's not always the, those things, pornography and overspending, things that we would label as bad that destroy marriages. It can, be, it can be good things too if they're out of place in our relationships. If you wanna get married one day, I would say start now protecting your priorities and putting God first. Make the decision that God will always be your number one and that your spouse will always be your number two. Because once you're married, there's gonna be all kinds of other things that are asking for your attention and your affection. And so we've gotta have our priorities straight. He, it has to be him first, always. That we're seeking him first, not our spouse's approval, not our spouse's, we need to get their input, but we're looking here first. This relationship is the most important. And then number two is our spouse. Because if we're not careful, if our, if our priorities are out of whack, then work is gonna come. And that's gonna become priority number one in our life because our spouse can't fill our needs. And then kids come, and this happens all the time, and it's so easy, kids come, and all of a sudden, because there's this life that needs you, your kids become the idol of your life, and they become your number one priority. And your spouse gets pushed to the side because you were looking at them to meet a need in the beginning that they couldn't, so protect the priorities. Keep God number one in your life. Um, it's so... I'm, I'm going too long, I guess. But we want, I wanna tell you guys, today, Blake and I keep Christ first, but the reason that we can is because we both have authentic relationships with Jesus Christ. We were able to get to the place that we could receive his love for us, that we could receive who we are in him and fully accept our identity in Christ and because of that, because we both have our own individual relationships, I'm not leaning on Blake's quiet time with the Lord. I'm not depending on what he's getting out of his time in the word. I'm not like, hey, would you read? Tell me. We talk about it, but I'm not looking to what he's getting from God to fill me. It's all about what am I getting from him? And he has his own relationship from God. And so we keep him first. And that's why it works so well. But then because he's first, this relationship works so much better. And now we're able to serve God. Christ together, 
And we're not, I'm not looking to him to be something he was never designed to be. So now we go to him when we're struggling. We go to him when we've got a big decision to make for our family. And so we keep him first. And what I'm talking about, it sounds really easy, but, and it's simple, but it's not easy. Um, we seek to live out his word, uh, but it's hard. Like we have to be intentional about scheduling time together, intentional conversations. I would tell you something else that's important now, create boundaries in, in your relationships. Create boundaries that, that allow you to have integrity so that as you put God first and your spouse second, that you have, you can have integrity in all situations. And it starts today because the decisions that you make will impact your future relationships as well. Um, as I think about what I want you guys to know, what I would love for you guys to have here at CT College, and I wrote this down because I wanted to read this specifically. I would love it if this group in this room was known for their integrity. If you were respected at your schools for your pursuit of God's best relation, relationally, that you would be different from the rest of the world, distinctly different. That your moral values and your dating relationships would be different than those around you. That because you choose not to have sex in your relationship now, your marriages would be pure, full of passion and intimacy in the godly way that can only be shared when it's between two people in a marriage relationship. That when you get married, that your marriages would be built on the foundation of Jesus Christ and that when there's trouble, and there will be, when there are hard times, you'd grab hands and you'd move heaven through faith and prayer. That people would look at you and they'd say, what do they have that I don't? What's so different about them? And you'd be able to look back at them and say, I found the one. So what I want you to do tonight as we wrap up is I want, if you will close your eyes just for a second, and I just want you to reflect on this question and be honest with yourself. Nobody's looking, nobody can read your thoughts except for the Lord, because he already knows them. <laughs> what number is Christ in your life today? Look at your finances, the way you spend your money, the way you spend your time. Look at your heart. For so many times and for so many years, in the place of Christ was my pursuit of my marriage, my children, my work here at the church, pathetic search for approval from people, a search that always leaves me feeling more empty. So tonight, would you allow the Spirit of God right now in this moment to replace anything that's in his place at the throne of your life? Would you allow him to become the one? That question so many of you are asking, how do I know when I found the one? You've already found him. He gave himself, he, he hung on a cross for you to prove that he wanted to be the one that fills every need of your heart so that someday you can find the two in your life. It's not complete because of them, but it can be filled with more joy and intention because you found the one. And if he's not the one, would you be honest enough to say, Jesus, I wanna change that. You haven't been the one, but I want you to be. So God, tonight we just, we thank you that, that no matter what things we've been chasing, even if it's not a relationship, and even if we're not even thinking about marriage right now, God, that today we can choose that you are number one on the throne of our lives. God, that you, you, are, you meet every single need that we have had, that we will have, that we have right now in this moment. And so God, tonight we just open our hearts to you and we ask you to come and take, take your rightful place in our hearts and in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.